And it goes well, really, uh, with the message this morning. Start a new series, Meeting God in Familiar Places. And this morning, I want to talk from Psalm 23, which, of course, is a psalm many of us are familiar with, in relation to God's comfort to us. We're a weak, weary, wounded people, and uh, we need comfort, and God provides. Uh, Psalm 23, ask when you find that to stand in God's honor. As I read aloud, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we need you, Lord. And uh, as we take some time to look at a psalm that is shared so often um, at funerals and... Uh, Father, your comfort, we just pray you open your word to us. And Father, that we might be reminded that we have a God who does not sit on the sidelines, unconcerned about us, but a God who loves us and is careful, Lord, to reach out to us in love. And I, I just pray that, Father, your spirit might speak as we continue this service pray for your anointing. I pray, Father, for your filling. And I pray, Father, that we might hear from you. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Um, some of you may know I, I grew up a comic book enthusiast. Had like 600 different comic books. And, and I loved every Sunday we'd go get comics. And uh, Several of my favorite comic characters based on, you know, animals. You know, you, you think of Batman, you know, it's that idea of fear, you know. And as a kid, you think, man, you know, you like to be tough. And those people that drive you nuts, maybe you could instill a little bit of fear because you know you're the tough guy. And um, then I thought, of course, of Spider-Man. How I'd love to have that speed and agility and be able to climb up walls. That'd be so cool. So cool, you know. And then there was the Black Panther. He was the only black superhero that I, in those days, I remember really reading about. Who, you know, he was king of this country, Wakanda, and, and he had all these moves of a Black Panther and, and all that. And, and you know, kids have this fascination with with animals. And and you, know, you often think, well, well, if I could be an animal, you know, what what would I choose? You know, lion, king of the beast, you know, be able to attack. And everybody says he is tough. You don't want to mess with him. Other animals, oh, you know, shrinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lion, or maybe the bear. You know, I remember reading one time. I always enjoyed as a kid and, and exercising and, and working out. And they said if you could take a black bear and he could, you know, do curls, he could do curls of like five or six hundred pounds. I thought, man, that's some power. Five or six hundred pounds. You know, that, that's tough. That's tough. Um, and then the gorilla. You know, you'd see Tarzan. Remember the Tarzan comic books? King of the Apes. But, man, I read that a gorilla is 12 to 15 times stronger than a man. 
Are you kidding me? Tarzan couldn't even beat the biggest wimp of the bunch of gorillas. No, but but the, that, that, that power, or, or the elephant with that trunk, what a squirt gun, man. If you're an elephant, you know, an elephant, power, big, large animals that, you know, and, 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 and you know, uh, or maybe this is different, but the peacock, you know, just look at me, you know, I got this big, beautiful, you know, you see me, oh, you know, I get the attention. <laughs> you know, the idea of animals, but it's not just with kids, think about nations. Uh, in the United States, we've, we've got the bald eagle, you know, think about it flying so high, this great vision, able to, to dive and get these fish. And, and then, and you, you know, you've got England and the lion is, is their emblem. And then as you um, think about uh, Russia, their emblem is the bear. And then in Brazil, is the jaguar. Italy, it's the wolf. But guys, when, when you think about a nation, when you think about a kid who wants to be powerful, who wants to be well-known, I've never heard of a nation, I've never heard of a child that says, I just want to be a sheep. Why? Man, there's nothing impressive. There's nothing powerful. There's nothing that stands out about a sheep. Uh, to begin with, they have a very poor sense of direction. They're always getting lost. I'll never forget for Christmas one year, my sister bought us a GPS because she had bought one and said, this changed my life. You know us Freemans can't find anything. And, and, and so you need one of these. But sheep, have, they don't have a sense of direction. And they're basically defenseless because they, they don't have claws to be able to attack an enemy. Um, and, and their teeth, they're not sharp. They're, they're, they're not impressive. And they've got spindly legs. They can't run. And, and, and they can't camouflage themselves to hide. And have you ever heard them growl? Meh. That is not scary. That is not intimidating. And, and the, the, these are not animals that, that you know, you, you look and say, wow, that's amazing. Or have you ever seen a sheep in a circus? You ever seen a, a circus act with a sheep? Watch my sheep. Why? Because you can't train them. They're stupid. They're just dumb. And the Bible, as you look at this, guys, he... We call it the shepherd's psalm, but you could just as easily call it the sheep psalm. Because there is a picture here of sheep that need the care, that need the shepherd. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Is our God is a God of comfort who reaches out to us who are sheep. I mean, think about sheep. Uh, they, they need so much help, not only protection from the shepherd, but to find nourishment and often to find water. They need the guidance. They need the help of, of, of the shepherd. When you think about it, about the only thing they ever give is when they just lay down and say, okay, get the shaver out and take my wool. They just lay there and offer it. As a sacrifice. We are spoken of as sheep. And as you go through this psalm. You see the hand of the shepherd. Reaching out to those weak. Needy. Defenseless. Sheep. Notice how he starts out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be. In want. Aren't you glad he didn't start out and say. The Lord is my accountant. And he will get my taxes in order. Oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Or he didn't say, the Lord is my nutritionist. 
I've got to start eating better. He's going to put the diet out there that I have to follow in order to enjoy that good health. Or the Lord is my physician. It's time for that annual exam. Oh, here it comes. Or he says the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. He is the one who, who's watching me. He is the one who is caring for me. He is the one that I can turn to. And, and notice the emphasis here is um, not about parents, not about a spouse, not about kids, not about best friends, not about some type of uh, uh, person we go to for, for, for counseling and help and instruction. Why? Because they're sheep too. We need the shepherd. Sheep aren't enough. And so, as David shares in this psalm, he speaks of the shepherd. And I love the, you know, the little kid's version. <laughs> the Lord is the shepherd, that's all I want. Picture of, of, of beginning to understand that we need the Lord moment by moment in our lives to reach out to us and, and, and to give us that, that direction and, and that love and, and that protection that He alone can share. You see, He's the shepherd that He... The reason we don't have to be in want is He knows us. He knows your needs. He knows my needs. He knows your fears. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He, he, he knows when you're, when you're terrified. He, he knows your birthday and He knows your death day. He knows all things about you and you can trust Him. Now, as you, as you go on in the psalm, He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep are startled by noises they don't expect. And they become uh, upset and, and, and frantic. And it's typical for the shepherd to grab the head of the sheep and gently to put the sh lie the sheep down in the grass, to place his head in, in the wet grass and for comfort to, to, to uh, allow the sheep to know that, that there's a hand there to bring comfort, to rest, to get off that, for us, is to get off that treadmill of life. You know, sometimes we're just going full blast, but we're not going anywhere. It's just frantic. It's just in a big circle. And, and, and the Lord says, as your shepherd, as my shepherd, hey, just lay here. Lay here and, and, and rest and, and listen to me and, and get that comfort that I alone can give. He leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. Sometimes that shepherd, he, as he's by the stream, he has to move some rocks and, and find that place where the sheep can, can, get, a, can get a drink of water, can, can find that refreshment, that, that comfort. And it's the shepherd that's looking, that's, that's watching, that's preparing that place of comfort. What a joy to know that's the kind of God we got that cares about us. He knows our plot. Nobody else in here may know what's happening in your life, but God does. And you can rest in that. You can trust in that. I love the story of the little girl that had gone to a neighbor and her parents weren't sure where she was and they discovered she was at the neighbor down the road. And they went and they got the child and they found out that this neighbor had a loved one die. He said, honey, why'd you go down there? He said, I, I needed to comfort her. And they said, well, what, what did you do to comfort her? 
She said, I sat in her lap and we cried together. Guys, that's the kind of shepherd that we have. He, he is not a distant relative. He is a dear daddy. He's Abba Father. He comes close to comfort us. He, he comes close, guys, to reach out to us. He knows where we are and we're sheep. As it says in Isaiah 53, 6, each of us has turned to his own way. <laughs> we're prone at times to wander, to go the wrong direction, and we're afraid when that happens. Um, he, we lose our way and we need Him to reassure us. Sometimes we're in deep darkness and we, and we need to know that there's light. Um, sometimes we just can't even breathe because of the struggle and because of the burden. And He's there. And, and sometimes for sheep that are prone to wander, He has to, he has to discipline us and get our attention. And it it's, it's, wasn't uncommon in those days for the shepherd. If you had a sheep that just kept wandering off, He would stop break its leg, pick it up and carry it. And when the sheep's leg would heal, it seldom wandered off. It was a tough lesson to learn. But God in His, in his healing through, through that pain was instructive to bring them close, bring them back to the Lord. He says, He guides me, He restores my soul, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Typical in that day is the shepherds would travel the route to the pastures. There would be paths, there would be trails that the shepherds would walk. And they'd have like their own little rut as they would travel to the pastures, to the places to graze. And the sheep, from just traveling <laughs> through that path, through that rut, would know where to walk out of habit, out of following the shepherd. And it would keep them from just wandering, from being scattered, uh, becoming a victim to predators, uh, being defenseless as they followed that path, that rut, that place. And we have a path that God wants us to follow. He, it, it's a place that He has prepared for us. and It's in agreement with His Word. And it's agreement with His will. It's agreement with His ways. It's agreement, guys, with His heart. And notice it's for His name's sake. It's for our Father's reputation. We live for His reputation, not ours. <laughs> we live to bring Him glory. We live to please Him, not ourselves. That... that that's the heart that God has for us to live. Now, this fourth verse, it is one <laughs> that has caught our attention. It's made this psalm so well known. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you go through that terrible time in life, God says, I'm there with you. I'm your companion. You don't do it alone. His comfort, His presence is available. And I think it's significant here when it talks about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say just death. It says the valley of the shadow of death. Where there's a shadow, there's light. 
It's not just darkness. There's light. There's God's light that is available, that's there. And the shadow is not what injures you. The shadow is not what harms you. You don't fear the shadow of a dog, for the shadow of a dog doesn't bite you. You don't fear the shadow of a sword, because the shadow of a sword doesn't slice and dice you. For the fear is not in the shadow. Thus it is as we travel, as we face this thing called death. It's not the final victor. It's, it's not the, the end. Death is not the end. It's a doorway to a beginning. And, and, and thus it is not to be the main fear. There's a comfort even beyond death. I love it in 1 Corinthians 15. It says that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. And, and there's, there will be victory. I know it's a fear, but it's not the end of the story. Um, one of my favorite stories it deals with a, a pastor, Donald Barnhouse. Years ago, his wife died of cancer. He had three kids under 12 went to the funeral just a horrible time after the funeral and they're going down the road his daughter's looking out the window and everyone's quiet this large truck passes their vehicle and as the truck passes this big shadow blocks the light as it goes by and Barnhouse says to his daughter says honey would you rather be run over by that truck or by the shadow of that truck? And she said, well, Dad, that's easy. Shadow can't hurt me. And here was his response as uh, he talked about, about the situation there. He said, your mother's not been overridden by death, but by the shadow of death. There is nothing to fear. Now, let's look here. He talks about a, a, your staff and rod, or your rod and staff. Now, the rod, um, man, you could just about translate this thing to be in the Hebrew club. I mean, this was a serious. But the rod was not used to beat the sheep into submission. They were already humble and submitted. No, the rod was used for protection against a predator, against an enemy. Um, not only could they hit that predator, but they were pretty skilled at throwing it at a target. The rod was for that protection. And the staff was about five, six feet long. It could be used like a walking cane. But also they could take the crook of the staff and reach the sheep and pull the sheep close when it was necessary, when it was needed. When that sheep needed comfort to be brought close to the shepherd, then the staff could be used for that purpose to find that comfort against an adversary, against a danger. You know, if you're a shepherd and you're sheep, you never see a, a sign out in the field that says, Danger! Wolf! One hour away! Be prepared! We never see signs. Danger! Neighbor is a child predator. We never see signs. We have to be aware of God's comfort, of His presence. Now, as you come to verse 5 here, He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you first look at that, and 
you know, what? Lord, what do you want me to do? Gather up all those people that are mean to me and, and I just don't like them. And you want me to eat with them? Are you kidding me? You know, maybe uh, think of the story with Winston Churchill and Lady Astor. Probably heard that. They fought all the time, argued back and forth. And one day Lady Astor had enough of Churchill. And she said, she said, my dear sir, said, said, if I was your wife, I would, I would, I'd make you drink poison. I'd give you arsenic to drink. And Churchill responded, my dear lady, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> this uh, uh, battle that, that goes on. That's not what he's talking about here, though. He's not talking about a battle with enemies and eating with enemies and submitting to enemies. There is a beautiful word picture here that was typical with a shepherd as they would enter a pasture. There was these little vipers in the fields, and, and it was not unusual for them to crawl out of, the, out of holes and attack the sheep nip and bite the sheep and if a sheep was sick a sheep could die from that bite or they could become ill and so the shepherd as they would approach that area of pasture they would take some time of inspection before leading the sheep in and they would look for any sign of these vipers they would check for the you know signs of holes of the vipers and, and look at this next part here he says uh, you anoint my head with oil he had this oil, and the purpose of the oil, he would take the oil, and if he saw the holes of the vipers, he would place some of that, it was a thick oil, around the holes of the vipers. And then once he did that with all the holes that he was able to find, he would put some upon the heads of the sheep, you anoint my head with oil, to act as a repellent, to keep those vipers away, and, and also just to protect them from... Uh, uh, by catching and clinging. And, and so here's the beauty of it. <laughs> so when the sheep come into the pasture to eat, you know, the vipers go, I smell sheep. Oh, yeah. I'm going to jump out and get them. Well, as they come out of the hole, that thick oil, they couldn't come out of the hole. They just slide back into the hole because of the oil kept them from being able to jump out as they'd slide back in. And then there was also the the oil on the head of the sheep that served as that deterrent also to the vipers, a sign of protection to keep the vipers away. And, and so right there, the, the field, the pasture, became a place that the sheep could graze. It became a safe place. You didn't have to go anywhere. Right where they were, they were safe. Right where they were, they, they could eat and, 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 and they could find comfort and they could find nourishment and you see, that's the thing. God is with you right where you are. It may be somewhere you don't want to be. Somewhere you wouldn't choose to be. But God's there. God's watching. God's looking. God's protecting. God's got a plan. And Then he, he closes here. You know, every good uh, shepherd needs sheepdogs. we got two sheepdogs here. Surely goodness and love. Some translations, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here are these two sheepdogs <laughs> taking the journey with a sheep. Goodness, God's goodness. Man, how we need to live in His goodness. We become so overwhelmed with our awareness of 
our struggle of our, our burden, our weakness. And we come so burdened with that that we lose sight of His goodness. And, and God says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's, that's what's to be our strength, is His, it, the joy in Him. And it's, it's an awareness of His goodness, of His blessing to us. And, and He's saying, as you travel, you're going to eventually end up with me. You're going to eventually be in heaven. But what I want to guide you in that journey is this sheepdog called my goodness. May the goodness of God be constantly part of your life. May you be aware of His blessings. Fellow sheep, may we see God and how He's blessed us, how He's poured out, totally showered us and flooded us with His kindness. And the second one, mercy, love. Man, God is just so gentle. He loves us and He doesn't often give us what we deserve, but is merciful and said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, we had uh, one of those instances the other uh, night where we were trying to get Daniel to... Uh, one of his, he's, That play's going on, Oliver. We ran into some traffic and there was some bad rain and we saw a vehicle that was overturned right in the middle of the interstate. Well, it wasn't in the middle of the interstate, but in between the roads there in the field upside down and you know you, I always see that guys and I stop and think you know I'm so aggravated that I've got to slow down and, and traffic doesn't want to move and two three more minutes five ten more minutes maybe I would be the one upside down there I don't know how those people were injured I don't know the depth of that but you know maybe I should stop and think God thank you for sparing me that could have been me Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. These are great sheepdogs, aren't they? Because the bottom line is, in comfort, that's the end. The end of this psalm is where we end up, in the house of the Lord forever. You see, we're headed to heaven. This is not our final resting place. I understand we get caught up here. This is not home. If you know Jesus as your Savior... In your Lord. This is not your final resting place. Wherever they bury you in a field or if they burn your ashes or whatever, that's not the end. Uh, there's a story of a missionary couple had served in Africa for many, many years and um, was ready to retire. And they were headed to New York City to retire. And it so happened when they got on a ship to come back to the States, to New York. President Teddy Roosevelt was on the same ship, and he had been on a hunting expedition. The ship was full, and the bottom line is, everybody was gawking and wanting to get the attention of President Roosevelt. This missionary couple, they were tired. They felt beat up. They had poor health. And they had just a little bit of pity party. <laughs> because they didn't really have any money as they were headed back home. They were going to have to find an inexpensive place to live and get some kind of job. And on the ship, as they saw all this attention given to just wanting to catch a peek of President Roosevelt, the missionaries, uh, the man said, you know, this isn't right. I have served, I've served for 45 years in Africa. I'm tired, I've been faithful to God, I've done all this hard work, and 
nobody's given me the time of day. And, and here this guy, he's been over here hunting big game in Africa, and everybody's clamoring to be near him. And God, there's just something upside down about this situation. I just can't believe this. And, and then they finally arrived, you know, docked in New York, and there's a band playing, and there's the mayor of New York City, and there's all these dignitaries, and they're waiting to meet President Roosevelt, and there's all this excitement. But no one showed up to meet the missionary couple. They had served over there so long that their family had already gone on to be with the Lord. And so they worked their way through the crowd, through all the attention and exhilaration. They found a place to stay for the night. And uh, he just started grumbling to his wife. He said, I feel like God's abandoned me. I feel like God doesn't love me. It's wrong that all this attention was giving over a hunting expedition and no one cares about us. His wife said, honey, that's not right. Why don't you just go spend some time with God and pray about this? And so he, he went in the other room and he started praying. He, he came out some time later and he, he was okay. He was better. And she said, what happened? What's wrong? And he said, well, I went in there and I started... I was mad. I was yelling at God. I was upset. Shed a few tears. You know, let him know exactly where I stood. And and I, you know, I just told him. I said, God, how can you treat your children this way, God? I've served for so many years. Finally, I come back home. No one's here. No one cares. I've been abandoned. No one loves me. He said, at that moment, I felt like someone put a hand on my shoulder. And I could sense God saying to me, you're not home yet. You know, I always love that story because, like you, a lot of times I just need to be comforted. And I'm so grateful that I'm not home yet. That even the greatest comfort I may receive here is nothing compared to the eternal comfort that awaits me and awaits you. Because we have a shepherd who sent his son, his one and only son, to die upon a cross. He went through all kinds of suffering and pain and he did it for me and he did it for you but he did not stay in that grave he was not defeated he was not a lost cause but he is the resurrected living Lord who is able to come and supply comfort to his hurting sheep who has prepared a home for you and for me and for all who believe upon him so that we can live forever and so that we can be free. For now we suffer, for now it's a burden, but we do have a shepherd that's available to us, a shepherd who walks with us, a shepherd who's available to us, a shepherd, and he says, hey, I got my sheep dogs, look to them. <laughs> to goodness and mercy, to goodness and love. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're broken and God has spoken to you. Maybe you're trying to trying to work through some mess without him. Don't do that. My invitation to you is run to God. He's been running towards you. You know, I love that story of the prodigal son because the son figures out, I am the royal mess up. And so he starts kind of, 
headed home. My picture's head just bowed down, defeated. But the scripture tells us in that story that the father, he's watching from a distance and he sees the son and he takes off running. Why does he take off running? Because he loves his son. He's not interested in where he's been. He's interested in that he's coming home. And he runs toward him and he embraces him and he says, time to have a celebration because my son who was dead, my son who was gone, he's back. <laughs> he's come back. And that's what God wants today. That's what He wants for us. Whether we've never trusted Him for the first time and He says, enter into my kingdom, come home to me, I made you, and I want you to return to me. Or maybe you're His child, but you have wandered off from the safe pastures of His truth and His word. And it's time to come home. And that's what these things are about. It's about God. It's about finding His comfort. It's about finding His hope. And that's why we're here. Because we need Him. I need Him. And so I just plead with each of you let God speak. I don't know the depth of your pain. I don't know what you're facing. But He does. And He is more than able to meet you where you are. Matter of fact, if you just look, He'll run to you. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for meeting us, Father. And I pray that we might just turn to you. Um, you know where each of us are this morning. Lord, and I just pray, Father, that we might see you looking at us, moving toward us. And Father, maybe someone needs to come to this altar to pray. Maybe someone needs to come and publicly share what you're up to in their lives. Maybe someone needs to just stop right where they are and say, Jesus, enter my heart, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I'm a sheep that needs a shepherd. Lord, I want to be in your flock, Lord. I, I just pray that you work, God, because the truth of the matter is we are not going anywhere apart from you. And I just pray, Father, that this morning each of us might turn toward you, Lord, the great shepherd, and that we might find the comfort that we all need. And Father, that you might work by your wonderful Holy Spirit, the oil in the Scripture, to cover us, Lord, to keep away the enemy, and Father, to keep us safe and to remind us of you. I just pray for all that, Lord. Have your way. In your name we ask this. Amen.